Today on Stick to Football, we are back in office, and oh my gosh, we are doing a free agency preview before things kick off in about two weeks. Coming off the combine, the tampering period has unofficially begun, so we are going to break it down, Connor. Uh, but before we get into that, a little bit of an announcement. we got to start the show with some sad news today. Um, obviously, most of you probably saw that Monday night, a tornado hit Nashville, hit downtown Nashville, and just went 10 miles east of there. Uh, because of that... And because of some concerns regarding travel due to the spread of the coronavirus right now, uh, we are actually canceling our event at Honey Fire Barbecue. So that was going to be Saturday, the 14th of March. Just want to let everyone know that is canceled. Obviously, Nashville is one of our favorite places in the entire world. So I just want to say from all of us here at Stick to Football, our, our thoughts and prayers are with you guys. However we can help, we'll be doing it. You know, Mello and I live in a town that was tore apart by a tornado uh, several years back, so so we definitely uh, can sympathize with what you guys are going through. Yeah, without a doubt. It's it's a shame um, what, not only what happened in Nashville, obviously, you know, with the event being canceled, a lot of people get excited for, but we're just thinking about how, you know, they're going to rebuild there, and, and for the people uh, that are hurt or lost their lives, we're thinking of that as well. So just wanted to get that off the top as we begin our show today. Yeah, and it is going to be a, a loaded show. Like I said, a huge free agency preview. We're going to go position by position, uh, not just break down the players, but tell you some of the things we're hearing about fits, uh, some of the best fits, e- even if it's not a rumor, just say, hey, this guy makes a lot of sense here. So it is going to be an informative show today. And a lot of you who are draft fans will be like, what? It's six weeks before the draft. Why are you guys talking about free agency? Free agency will inform the draft for us in big, big ways. So we got we to gotta get through free agency first. But, Connor, we are officially home from the combine, and there's still some lingering things to talk about, especially because when the linebackers ran on Sunday, or excuse me, on Saturday, we were recording our event. The DBs ran on Sunday. We were on our ways home. Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray, I talked to both guys over the weekend. Both said they're doing well. Kenneth Murray even said, listen, I stayed, like, hung out and watched the rest of the drills. I'm okay. Like, he got an MRI. He's good. It's just been called a strain. And I know both players are hoping they're able to go at their pro day. So two guys who, it's unfortunate because I thought they both ran really well in that first 40, getting in the four fives. But I'll tell you, they were actually upset about those times. And something I want to get into off of this, a lot of agents and trainers and players are very upset coming out of this year's combine because of the injuries, because of the timing. But at least for right now, two of the best players in the draft. And we saw Jeff Okuda take a nasty fall and hit his head on the turf. So I guess you could say three of our favorite players on defense had to deal with something a little extra at the combine. Yeah, it felt like that throughout the entire weekend. Guys were just pulling up. Guys were getting banged up. And I think... Honestly, Matt, a lot of it was probably precautionary because you don't want to take the risk of getting significantly hurt there because as much as you and I and all the fans of the NFL draft and the NFL for the purpose of ratings love the NFL combine, they love the workouts they see, they love the drills where they get to record actual testing numbers, what matters most to a lot of these players is not only the individual workouts and time they get with teams, but also their pro day where where they can be in a controlled environment where scouts that honestly have been trailing them, hoping to draft them, will be there anyway to record their own time. So I think the most important thing is where you have the best chance to succeed is your pro day and individual workouts, and that's where you get the best face time with teams that are interested in taking you. And I think we saw a lot of players, rightfully, and agents as well, protect themselves at the Combine this year more than usual. Yeah, and that's, you know, before the Combine started, it was something I tweeted 
and we've talked about it a lot throughout the week. I'm not trying to be self-serving. I'm just letting people know that like there was concern before the combine even started. Teams were, excuse me, not teams, agents and trainers were worried about their guys because there is the unknown. And this is exactly what we were talking about. There was a lot of pushback on Twitter for people saying, oh, like, they're, how hard is it to now run at 4 o'clock instead of at 8 a.m.? It's a lot different, and we saw that. I, you can look at the combine results even, and that's something I've been doing a lot over the weekend, just trying to update my database with all the times and all the numbers. It is shocking how many people did not perform. When you, especially the skill players, like look at the wide receivers or look at the DBs. How many guys only did one or two things? It's shocking how many players there were this year. And that just goes to the point. And I'm not trying to piss off the NFL, do a good enough job of that without, <laughs> without digging my own hole. But man, this is a problem. And it's a problem not only from the perspective of guys didn't want to work out because they changed the schedule. I, some of the most respected trainers in the industry are on Twitter all week now saying, how can you come out here and say you care about player safety when you're expecting guys to stand on the turf for eight hours, 4 p.m. to 11 for, or to midnight for some of them, and like they're getting dehydrated, they can't stay loose, and we're seeing the fallout of that. Like Jeff Okuda didn't do a three-cone, didn't do a short shuttle. And why, you know, you could say, oh, well, he wouldn't because he's the top prospect. But man, like a lot of guys didn't work out. And so the combine is important. There's a reason they do it. It does matter, especially for being able to differentiate guys. CJ Henderson, no three cone, no short shuttle, two top corners. So, yeah, we can divide them on film and say Akut is better. Would have loved to have seen those numbers at a neutral site, not at your, like Matt Bowen said, not at your pro day where they've been baking the turf in the sun for a year and it's hard as concrete. You want these neutral site times. And, man, this is, I don't know. I have a feeling what the NFL will do because I don't think they actually care. I think they're going to say, this is the way it is. Ratings were up. Our owners want money. NFL Network is owned by the owners, by the way. And they're going to say, hey, we want to keep getting that check, man. So, I don't think anything's going to change, but I'll tell you, there are a lot of people very upset. And I think even, really, I expected this year, top guys aren't going to go. Agents will figure things out. They'll be in there next year. Now, I think the agents and trainers are pissed off enough. Like We're not going to see Trevor Lawrence doing a full workout next year at the Combine. There's no way. No, I, I don't think you have to anymore. I think the most interesting one to me, Matt, was T. Higgins. This is somebody that was not locked into the top 15, but really has been a player that has been in the first round of every mock draft and a lot of conversations, the top five of this wide receiver class. He's played on a national title team. He's played in multiple national championship games. And I think mm -hmm. you look at it and he just said, I'm good. I'm not giving you some fake hamstring reason. I'm not giving you this. I'm resting, which in uh, the polite terms is I'm not doing the NFL combine because guess what? I don't trust it. So I think when you look at it across the board, rightfully, a lot of the top players, Joe Burrow, Chase Young, they said no. Jeff Okuda did, uh, you know, seem to fight through a lot of things, but like you said, he also passed on some things. I just think, yeah, it, it was a very interesting year at the Combine where I always tell people, you know, the week after the Combine, just like the week after the draft, is actually just as busy because it's data entry time. And yesterday, yep. when I was at home doing a lot of data entry, I'm like, man, there's a lot of numbers that we still don't have, and we're not going to have until these pro days. So just to put a bow on it, it was a very unique year for the NFL Combine. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I and I am still doubting it. It's like, did NFL.com just not update the DB times? Because like, that no one has their three Yeah, cone. the cupboard is yeah, empty. Like, you're like, 
what? Like, where? where's three corner short shuttle times for all the DBs? It's just no one did it. None of the top guys did it. So, it, I mean, Jeff Gladney did. But and it was bad. I will say this. but And it was bad. It is bad. 7-2-6. And, and He's that's quicker what, than that. That's why I wanted to go with that. A lot of, and I know like agents will make excuses. Yes. Players, trainers, they're all going to make excuses. Teams are telling me we got to throw out a lot of these times because guys were just standing around doing nothing for hours and then told, time to do your three cone. So a lot of the times are really, really slow. I mean, I know rugs ran at like 429. There's some fast 40s, but it's the agility drills where guys are like, man, I was standing there for hours doing absolutely nothing. I was tight. I wasn't ready. And so I think that's why we see, you know, even like the jumps. There's not a lot of great jumps this year. So it's it's something I, I feel like the combine, you almost can't historically compare a lot of numbers from this year, oh, yeah. which is why the, the on-field drills were super important. And that leads me into my next point. Jalen Hurts had an amazing week to the point. I don't know if you saw my three round mock draft came out Monday morning. I put him at 50 to the Chicago Bears. I'm now not sure he makes it that far. And the one thing that I continue to hear about Jalen Hurts, everyone says, we at least know what we're getting with him. We know he's a competitor. We know he's an athlete. We know he's a winner. And you can argue quarterback wins if you want. I'm not here for it right now. (laughs) But teams know what they have in Jalen Hurts. And as one guy told me this, this week, an area scout said, I've watched him get better three times. I've seen him play in the SEC. I've seen him play in that Oklahoma scheme where two quarterbacks were just drafted first overall in the past two years. So the Jalen Hurts profile is starting to look really good. And I'll remind you something that we were at a dinner once, Connor, with a really good scout a couple years ago. And he said to us, quarterback evaluations start in January because more than any other position, it's about what you can be, not what you are. And that is going to help Jalen Hurts so much in this year's class. And I think, Matt, you just look on the teams on the outside looking in on round one, the Chicago Bears and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think those are my two favorite landing spots for Jalen Hurts right now. Oh, yeah. And how confident are we that either of those teams are going to be aggressive in free agency to get another quarterback in there? I don't think they're going to do that. I think the Steelers are obviously hoping that Big Ben – Uh, can get healthy it still seems like a little bit of a toss-up and the Bears have also stuck by Mitch Trubisky so when you look at taking a flyer in the second round maybe like you said Matt you have to move up now a little bit but taking a flyer on day two at a quarterback that can win you more games the guy in this class more so than Jacob Eason right now has become Jalen Hurts yeah without a doubt it's going to be fascinating to watch. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, over Eason, over from would not surprise me uh, as we get to this point. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, it's time to dive in headfirst to 2020 free agency. Teams are going to be spending some money when free agency officially opens. Uh, it's it's unofficially opened. I know that there's, oh, the, the tampering window starts the 16th. It's long begun. Bullshit. It started in the JW Marriott one week ago. It has already started and already we're seeing reports. I think I've seen Jack Conklin to like 18 yeah, at this say, point. So the Jack Conklin. it's already heating up like crazy, man. And so we're going to do our best to sort through some of the mud. But this is an exhaustive list. And I apologize. I know this isn't always great podcasting for us to just yell names at you guys. So we're going to do our best to add some context. Connor, let's start with the quarterbacks. And I've said it. I think anyone who 
covers the NFL as like a journalist and, and a reporter has said it, but the domino is Tom Brady. And until that domino falls, nothing else can happen. We've seen the Julian Edelman video. We've all tried to lip read what Brady says. Vegas odds still put Brady most likely to return to New England. I have no idea what's going to happen here, but I maintain the thing that makes the most sense for Brady is staying in New England where he has a chance to win, whether it's one year, two years, however long he wants to play. That's his best chance to win more rings. Yeah, it would be a shock to me, Matt, if he ends up anywhere that's not New England. I I still think Vegas will make an interesting pitch or offer to him. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Maybe Bruce Arians does pick up the phone, although I still think the fit there is a little weird. But just going back to New England is what makes the most sense for Tom Brady. We know how Robert Kraft feels about that. I mean, he will make sure that Brady uh, is given exactly what he needs. So I just look at this situation right now, and no matter what the rumors are with that one, I just I don't see him going anywhere else. And I know there's been some really jarring reports But if there's anyone that I think is on the move that we've seen in the same place for a very long time at quarterback, I would lead more towards Phillip Rivers. Yeah, and that's the next one. Phillip Rivers, where is he going to be? Is it the Indianapolis Colts? Is it the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? That rumor came out when we were at the Senior Bowl, actually. So I think with Rivers, most signs point to the Colts. One thing I want to caution people about Phillip Rivers, I think he'll be a Hall of Famer someday. He's a fantastic player. But he was almost benched for Tyrod Taylor this year. And that's something that I think should concern fans is, if you're the Colts, is Phillip Rivers better than Jacoby Brissett? If you're the Buccaneers, is he better than, you could probably get Teddy Bridgewater. Is he better than Teddy Bridgewater? I do not think he is. I think Rivers, like there's a little bit of buyer beware there. I will be curious to see if his market is low enough that he just retires. That he, You know what Eli Manning said? Eh, better to go out yeah, now and be embarrassed it. in the free agent market. Right. Why go back out there for like $12 million a year and get and get benched? It's not worth it to your legacy. So I think Rivers is interesting to watch. Now, the other name there, Teddy Bridgewater. I have continually heard two teams, Tampa Bay and the L.A. Chargers. Now, I think the Chargers are a really – I feel like that's Cam Newton or they draft someone. And I know like I'm leaning in more on the business side of things than the football side of things, but that makes a ton of sense for them. I think Tampa Bay is really, really interesting for Teddy. He's from Florida. We've said all along, this is a guy that needs to stay in the South because of his lack of arm strength. Now, he's not your traditional Bruce Arians quarterback, though, because you think of Bruce, and you're like, oh, you want to throw the ball down the field. But I was reminded of something yesterday, uh, just making calls, trying to catch up with people. Bruce Arians tried signing Drew Brees to like a two-year, $60 million deal just a couple years ago. So it's not always about arm strength. If you can throw the deep ball, I think Teddy throws a pretty good deep ball, even though, I mean, he's not Mahomes. It's not Matthew Stafford, or, or, but he has a good enough arm. And I think his deep accuracy is good enough. Talk about going from Jameis Winston, who throws 30 picks in a year, to Teddy Bridgewater, who does not throw interceptions at all. You couldn't find two different quarterbacks. You really can't. And I think something important to note here, Matt, is not only the skill talent that's around Teddy if he goes to Tampa. When you look at Mike Evans, you look at Chris Godwin, obviously the tight ends they have there. This opens the door for the Bucks to take an offensive tackle in round one, an area where they will need some help, especially if you sign Teddy, where you need to keep him upright. So I like that fit a lot and think for the Bucks, as much as we've overthought it at times and said, no, they need a big-arm quarterback Maybe Bruce will look in a different direction, a different taste after he's seen 30 interceptions in one season from his quarterback. 
I don't know if Teddy's thrown 30 in his career. I, like, I mean, that's actually a really good question. A really good question. Uh, yeah. He's it's thrown 25 I, in his career. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. And I mean, I know uh, he was hurt, but he still side. played plenty. It, it is fascinating that they could go from one to the other. Uh, other guys, and I would consider, so Dak Prescott is interesting. We have to list him as a free agent, but the Dallas Cowboys are going to do everything they can to keep Dak Prescott. He is not hitting the market. Uh, he's going to be tagged either with the franchise or the transition tag. Transition tag means any team that signs him, the Cowboys can match that. If they don't match it, they would get two first-round picks. So however they do it, they're keeping Dak Prescott, Connor. I, I was even like hesitant to put him on the list, but we have to talk about him because he is a free agent, and the Cowboys have a ton of cap space, but he has to count against that when you think about re-signing him. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. You don't let your franchise quarterback go out the door no matter how much stuff uh, we've heard surrounding Dak Prescott. So, But the fact that he is... Eligible for a free agency, Matt, just goes to show you how powerful of a quarterback class this is as a whole, where even if you know the guy's not leaving, the market is going to be set again for quarterbacks that play at his level that are due for a big payday. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that, Drew Brees, going back to the Saints, he has said he wants to be back there. They've said he wants him there. The only reason he's playing in 2020 is to be with them. So that deal will get figured out. Ryan Tannehill is probably the last big name of the quarterbacks on the market. Traded to the Titans, really rejuvenated his career there. Uh, and I think that, you know, talking to Mike Vrabel even at the Super Bowl, he has said it's unlikely we can keep all the guys. But it seems like Tannehill is their second option. Like, if they don't get Tom Brady, they're going to keep Ryan Tannehill. Again, that's the struggle with if Brady takes his time. Does Ryan Tannehill go to Carolina? Does he go to Chicago? Uh, does he go somewhere else? So there, there's a lot of dominoes that will come after Brady, and Tannehill is one of the biggest ones because I look at Jameis Winston. I don't think he's going to go somewhere and be a sure fire starter. Marcus Mariota is going to be a backup. Chase Daniel is going to be a backup. Case Keenum is going to be a backup. I think outside of the the guys we've mentioned before, Tannehill's the one where he's going to go somewhere and be a starter. If it's not Tennessee, Connor, what I think Carolina is the best bet for him if it's not Tennessee. And we got to think Nick Foles is going to get traded. That's going to complicate things more here. But I think Tannehill, I mean, he's got a couple options. I think Carolina is the ideal fit because actually where Tannehill succeeds, you could see it working with Joe Brady. My question is, Matt, and I saw you tweet about this recently, is there a point where Carolina just throws their hands up and say, you know what, we're good this year. We're going to offload some veterans. We're going to acquire some picks. We're not going to draft a quarterback. We're not going to sign one. We're just going to ride this thing out. We're going to lose a bunch of games, and we are going to load up because we're going to be the team with Trevor Lawrence that might build a dynasty for the future. It feels that way. I mean, I like it. Trey Turner's on the you know on the block, and they're talking about they. I mean, if you trade Cam Newton and Trey Turner, you got a couple young tackles and DJ Moore <laughs> and Christian McCaffrey, obviously. Yeah, but I, yeah, I think I think Carolina makes sense. And on that, you know, if if you're trying to tank for Trevor. Ryan Tannehill might actually be too good for you. Like you might just, hey, we have Kyle Allen, we have Will Greer, let's see what they can do. Um, it, it it will be. They are a very interesting team. And I think Tennessee, you know, we were talking about Ryan Tannehill. Let's just go to the running backs here. Derrick Henry, I personally do not know what you do with this Man. guy. Over the last year and a half, 
You could say he was the best running back in football. Yeah. But do you pay a running back? No. <laughs> Every in, Thank you. Every example of running backs in the NFL right now, you don't do it. You don't pay these guys a second contract. And with the CBA, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on this, but if a new CBA is signed, teams could be in a situation where you can only use the franchise or transition tag. You can't use both. Well, if they use the tag to keep Tannehill, Derrick Henry is just going to hit the market. And we saw last year, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, those guys didn't have the market they expected. I can see Derrick Henry back in Tennessee on like a three-year deal that pays him like $12 million a year. The problem is he has said he wants Zeke Elliott money. Not happening. I don't know who pays him that. It's not happening. So I'll say this, Matt. A fit that makes sense for him, but I don't know if it goes with our friend Brandon Bean's philosophy, philosophy, is the Bills a little bit. Because Motor Singletary was a really, really nice draft pick. Josh Allen is not a guy you want dropping back and throwing the ball 40 times a game. If you have this right. tandem of Derrick Henry, Motor Singletary, Josh Allen's mobility, you draft a big wide receiver, that's an offense that's very interesting to me. Maybe it's a little like Tennessee's offense. So I just don't know. And the Bills have a ton of cap space. They have over $82 million, and they haven't even cut anyone yet. So when you and they got to get a pass rusher up there in Buffalo as well, but they got money to spend. So Derrick Henry, if it's not the Titans, the fit I like, I just don't know if they they believe in paying a running back like that would be Buffalo. Yeah, and I think Baltimore makes sense, but you have Mark. Yeah, that's the problem there. You know, it's like teams that want to run the ball. And I think you can say this about Derrick Henry, you can say about Melvin Gordon. There's not a lot of fits that just make sense for them. There's not a lot of teams that really need a running back. Like, are the Miami Dolphins going to pay for a running back when they have five picks in the top two rounds and they're expected to have 13 picks in the entire draft? It's hard to slot these guys in. Whether it's Henry, I mean, Melvin Gordon was first round pick. He's a really good running back. He tried holding out last year. And it just did not work. And that's one thing I have a hard time with when I look at these running backs is, where do I slot you in at? Because this is a good running back draft class, by the way. So if you could have Melvin Gordon. like I mean, does Melvin Gordon go to the Steelers where James Conner hasn't been great? Like I like that fit. And I think this is a team that is trying to win now. I mean, you can see the trades they've made, for, you know, trading up to get Devin Bush, trading to get Minka. I, I can see the Steelers being a fit. For Gordon, but again, it's not going to be at fifteen million a year. I think the problem is, Matt, you have the sample size of running backs that got paid, and it's failed miserably. You look at Devonta Freeman, you look at Todd Gurley, uh, you look at—I mean, I think Le'Veon was a mix of maybe he's not the same Le'Veon, but the Jets were just a miserable offensive team, especially the line. But the point is, all of the running backs that got mega contracts. And we'll see how Zeke ages. I thought this year was good, but once again, that was not a one-year deal. That was a mega deal. There's a sample size there where paying running backs a big second deal has not worked in the favor of the teams. Right. So, all right. Well, moving on. I mean, not, we do, not a good year to be a running back, no, man. It's just not. Melvin Gordon is There's, another one. Is a complete wild card. I don't think he gets a very good payday that he wanted. Lamar Miller is coming off season-ending injury. He's been a very productive running back throughout his career. But once again, if you're coming off injury and you play that position at his age, creeping up towards 30, don't think he gets anything crazy. The one name I'm very interested in, and I think he needs to go back to Arizona, is Kenyon Drake. 
I am absolutely with you. Watching him play second half of the season was so much fun in that offense. He fits exactly what they need. David Johnson's contract is a mess. I think they're still going to try to figure out a way to move him. I would keep Kenyon Drake. I mean, they traded draft picks to get him midseason. I think the test drive was phenomenal. He is such a seamless fit there. So I keep Kenyon Drake. You mentioned Lamar Miller. Another guy who's run for the Houston Texans, Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde had the quietest 1,000-yard season I've ever seen a running back have. He's a free agent. Peyton Barber's a free agent. I think he'll probably get pushed out in Tampa because Ronald Jones actually finished the year fairly well at the running back position. Now, I want to get like a little bit, we'll be a little bit of a homer here. Your team, the New York Jets, Le'Veon Bell's coming back. We're going to hope they use him right. Melo's team, the Chiefs, they're always looking to add guys. And then the Niners, who have like five running backs right now. Of the three teams that we follow closest on this podcast, I feel like... Like, if Kenyon Drake got loose and was willing to just take a pay cut to to win a ring, he would make so much sense in Kansas City. But they are so up against the cap, they really can't afford to pay anyone a good amount at that position. No, he's the perfect fit there, though. And that kind of makes you wonder, Matt, can they find a Kenyon Drake on day three of the draft? And something that you've been telling Chiefs fans, and now I just relay the message on Twitter is, don't expect Jonathan Taylor in the first round. Don't you know what I mean? Don't expect DeAndre Swift right. in the first round. You need to be looking at the guys like maybe Anthony McFarland is somebody that they're interested. Maybe Darrington Evans. Maybe players like that. Keyshawn Vaughn. Those guys that are probably going around four or five or six. That makes a lot of sense for Kansas City. Just to wrap up, such a great point you make about Carlos Hyde having a quiet thousand yards. He averaged four point four yards a carry this year. Uh, accounted for a $1.9 million cap hit. Ezekiel Elliott accounted uh, had 4.5 yards a carry and hovers around that 10 to $16 million a year. And I'm not saying anything because I know it's just a stat yards per carry, but man, when you're in a good run scheme, you can get something out of nobody's. You really can. It's unbelievable when you watch just how that works. And it kind of wraps up our free agent running back conversation here is, is anyone going to pay these guys? Because I don't think so. Well, we know someone will be paying these guys. Uh, Let's get to the offensive line before we take a break and come back for the pass catchers. Jack Conklin is the bell of the ball. Your New York Jets have been linked to him. What's your your initial takeaway? Well, I'll say this. There is no doubt the New York Jets are interested in signing Jack Conklin. I think they have the money to pay him as the top tackle in football, which is something they'll probably have to do. I know people don't love hearing that, but guess what? That is the game that is free agency, especially for a team that, let's be real, is a little desperate right now on the offensive line. So I think when you look at Jack Conklin, you said it, Matt, it's the fact that he plays tackle. He's going to have a lot of teams putting out offers for him. I'm curious if the Browns get involved here. I know Pro Football Talk reported that it's expected the Jets land Jack Conklin. Adam Schefter countered with that it's expected they don't. All you need to know is he's represented by Rosenhaus Sports. They know a thing or two about leverage. They're driving this price up. But I do think Joe Douglas is the guy that comes out in day one and offers him the most money. The question is, does Jack Conklin want to spend the prime of his career now protecting Sam Darnold? That's what everyone's really wondering here. Do the in, does the injury history concern you? Of course you? it does. It, it kind he's of gonna, does me. He, yeah. Go ahead. He's going to get a ton of guaranteed money, so of course it concerns you. Yep. But that's what bothers me. Uh, all pros are rookie. And then injuries kind of took their toll. And then this past year bounced back and played at an exceptionally high level. So I think that's 
Whether you're the Jets, the Giants, I mean, this guy has been linked to every team that has money, yep. basically, at this point. Which goes to show just how talented he is of a player. But I would be a little bit worried about a guy who two of his four years have been pretty banged up. And to the point that the Titans didn't pick up his fifth-year option, which is why he's an unrestricted free agent. Now, another player on the interior who's going to set the market is Joe Thune, the New England Patriots. I think they would love to keep him, but they just don't do that. They don't keep guys. They and don't. they have a ton of free agents to sign. And they don't have a lot of money, which is, I know we talk about this so much, it's fascinating to me. I do not know where their money goes, but they don't have a lot of it. <laughs> it doesn't seem like Thune's the kind of guy that they're going to keep. I mean, they would rather get the third-round comp pick no, than keep a guy like that. If he's smart, he gets to the open market. I mean, the way he moves, Matt, he can flourish in, a, in any kind of zone scheme. I'm really impressed with Thune. No penalties this year which is another impressive stat. He's a great run blocker. He's been reliable in pass protection. I'm very curious to see you know, what direction he goes in. The Bills are a team that they're going to be losing a guard in Quentin Spain if they opt not to bring him back. I thought Spain played pretty well this year, but did they go for the upgrade in Thune? Once again, the New York Jets. Joe Douglas is going to open the checkbook. He's not going to land Conklin and Thune, but if you can get one of those guys to step in the right direction for a miserable offensive line unit in front of your 22-year-old quarterback... The New York Giants are a team that I think they'll be more aggressive in the tackle market. But once again, we've talked about how much the Cardinals need to look at offensive line. I do think that'll be in the top 10 of the draft. But there are a lot of different teams here that have a lot of money, including the Denver Broncos as well, where these two guys at the top of this free agency class at offensive line and Conklin and Thune, they are going to get paid. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the salary cap just keeps going up. And so guys like that are going to... Brandon Scherf, if not tagged, is going to get paid. I even think Andrews Pete will get paid. I mean, the, there's just there's cash to burn. It's hard to draft offensive linemen. So you go for the sure thing. And I even think... So the secondary market, Anthony Costanzo, Brian Bulaga. Jason Peters is 38 years old. I wouldn't be surprised if he just decides to retire. But, I mean, we've seen uh, Andrew Whitworth have a nice little second half of his career with the L.A. Rams. So there's a lot of players out there who, Graham Glasgow, Quentin Spain, guys who can be good starters. But do you think our good friend Eric Flowers gets signed? I will say, yes. he actually didn't have a terrible no, year last he year. was a decent guard, not a horrible guard. So I do think he gets signed. At a minimum, he's a backup, but he starts, Matt. I know. I- I'll tell you what, a team that's just looking for a guy that is a decent run blocker, uh, maybe maybe he starts again next year. I'm, You know, there's some really interesting names. We think Brandon Scherf's going to get franchised. Trey Turner, I think, is a really good player. And I'm actually a little surprised about hearing the trade rumors or release rumors. One of the most fascinating ones has to be Andrews Pete, right? I mean, you look at how yeah. that Saints line has played. You look at his injury history. It feels like another version of Jack Conklin where you're taking a risk, but you could get a really big reward if it pans out. Yeah, I think Pete is a really, really good player. Again, like you said, you just the only thing you worry about is injuries. I mean, he did not this past year was not good, but it was because he was banged up and, you know, missed like five or six games right there in the middle of the season. But I think you can go back and look at, you know, what he's been at other points in his career. You know, he's a He's a better pass blocker than he is run blocker. That was the knock on him coming out of school as well when he was coming out of Stanford. But I think with everybody going to almost everyone's going to be running zone next year, I think someone like Andrews Pete makes a lot of sense. All right, the fun positions 
are up next. Wide receivers and tight ends. We'll be back right after this. You guys know this is a historic wide receiver draft. There's it's like 45 receivers with a draftable grade. But it's also a pretty good wide receiver class when it comes to free agency. The top guy, Connor, Amari Cooper, uh, again with the CBA. We're waiting to see what happens if the Cowboys can actually tag him and Dak Prescott. But it feels like he wants to be back. They want him back. So I think Amari Cooper... Most likely back to Dallas, which then for me would put AJ Green near the top of this receiver class, even though, you know, I think he's 30 years old and he's been hurt. 31. 31 and has been hurt. That's terrifying. But still, it's AJ Green. And it sounds like he might get tagged as well. Matt, I have a hot take on this situation. There's a report, and now I guess I'm assuming it's true, but you should assume it's true. It seems reliable that Joe Burrow made it clear he wants the Bengals to keep A.J. Green. I don't think A.J. Green plays on the tag, for whatever it's worth. He's going to be 32 in July with all his injuries. I think he wants that one more three-year deal, not the one-year money. I actually think it's a bad decision by Joe Burrow to ask for the Bengals to keep A.J. Green because the Bengals don't always spend a lot of money. And you need to be kind of smart with your request of where your assets are going. I don't know if a 32 year old injured AJ green is worth 15 plus million on the cap anymore. A Am guy I who crazy? Just didn't play. No, you're not crazy. I mean, he didn't play last year. So and I know, like, I'm worried about yeah. that. I like Tyler Boyd. I think they're, I would Me rather too. draft someone at 33 and use that money on a linebacker, which we will get to in the, the next segment when we talk about linebackers. So yeah, I'm not real high on AJ green, but I'm with you. I think if he's back, it's probably because Joe Burrow said, Hey, I want, an established receiver in there. Your guy, Robbie Anderson, I think the best pure slot receiver uh, who's available in free agency, he's going to find a good amount of money in a new home, I think, somewhere else. I just It doesn't feel like yeah. Joe Douglas is going to prioritize this position or keeping Robbie Anderson, at least. Seems like he's going to be on the move. Yeah, everything I've heard with this is that they did not plan to to really make a, a significant push before free agency hit, which in return, Robbie Anderson said, okay, I'll hit the market. It seemed like the Jets were playing the low ball game. I think they didn't want to go a lot of years on the deal is what I understand with that. And Matt, I mean, the guy's got speed to win on the inside, to win on the outside. They use him in motion. That's valuable in the league right now. The thing that I'm not understanding with the Jets is when this new CBA agreement goes through, that cap is going to spike. They should have got this deal done, and now I think it's going to be somebody else's reward. I'm, I'm curious to watch the Raiders here. I'm curious to watch if uh, the Ravens just want to load up on speed and say, hey, we got Hollywood Brown, and we'll use Robbie on the outside. We've sent those guys deep. We got Lamar Jackson and really good tight ends and really good backs. So I think Robbie Anderson does get his $13 million per year that he's asking for, Matt. Yeah, and I, that's what I was thinking about. Like Places that make sense for him. I mean, if Seattle wants to add another weapon, something I've heard they want to add another weapon with DK and Tyler Lockett, they have money this year, which they normally don't. So there are a lot of teams that would want what Robbie Anderson, Anderson brings to the table. Now, low-key free agent Emmanuel Sanders. The Niners traded for this guy. And now he's a free agent. I think they would like to keep him, but the Niners have no money. And they also have, I mean, Ark Armstead, Jimmy Ward are free agents. So they have some pretty big free agents they got to try to keep. Emmanuel Sanders is another one where he played pretty well and, and like made a lot of tough catches over the middle. If you were a team like New England, Emmanuel Sanders, Robbie Anderson, 
like Nelson Aguilar. It's, those are the kind of guys that I would think the Patriots would try to go get if they keep Tom Brady. They're not the greatest, but they're at least plug-and-play type receivers. Without a doubt. I'm curious to see what they do here. I know a lot of Niners fans understandably want Emmanuel Sanders back, as they should. But the you know the question is, what kind of cap hit is he going to be looking at here? And then you look across the board. There are plenty of teams that need veteran receivers. I think you bring up a good point, Matt, that if the Patriots do bring back Tom Brady, uh, they're going to have to do it with some better weapons for him. Now, you like that Nikhil Harry's going to be healthy. You obviously have Edelman there. They'll need to attack tight end, but I don't think they would be done at wide receiver. So I also look at a team... You know, what are the Eagles going to do at wide receiver? They have to be aggressive. They're another team for Robbie Anderson. They've tried to trade for him before. I believe they offered a fourth-round pick to the Jets, and the Jets said no thanks. So I think the Eagles are a team that comes out in free agency and says, hey, we got to add a body here at the wide receiver position. We can't rely on Alshon Jeffrey. We know Nelson Aguilar is hitting free agency. We can't just go into the draft looking to replenish this group. We need to sign someone. And I would throw in there in that same – that same mindset, the Bills, who have $83 million in cap Without space, they need speed badly. The Redskins have $62 million, and some of that could go to Brandon Scherf. But that's another team. Like Terry McLaren's the dude. They actually need some depth at wide receiver. So I think those are two teams in the top 10 in terms of cap space that make some sense for these receivers. Uh, now let's move to the tight ends. There are other receivers Devin Funches, Taylor Gabriel, Randall Cobb. Those guys aren't really doing anything for me uh, as far as free agency goes. Feel free to jump in if they move the needle for you. Uh, no. When I look at, when I look at the tight ends, it's Hunter Henry and it's Austin Hooper, and both could be tagged. Hunter Henry, another player, very injury riddled career with the Chargers, but exceptional when he's on the field. Austin Hooper with the Packers, or excuse me, with the Falcons, could be tagged. If not, we like him maybe to go to Green Bay, Connor. Without a doubt. I think you you said it, Matt, at the Combine. You had heard tons of buzz. The Packers were doing their work on the tight end class, doing their work on not just the draft class, but also the free agent group. Uh, Green Bay is a team that in the Mr. G era, uh, they've thrown some money out in free agency, Matt. I like the new direction the Packers have gone. They've looked to sign edge pass rushers. They've looked to help out their offense a little bit. So I think for Green Bay... You know, Austin Hooper coming off a season where he had 75 catches, almost 800 yards and six touchdowns. I really like the fit for Green Bay there and think it's a weapon that would help Aaron Rodgers in the middle of the field. Yeah, I, I would love that. It's it's what they need. And I know like Jimmy Graham's there. I think he's gone. Jay Sternberger is more of a flex guy. So Austin Hooper makes a ton of sense. Now, Connor, one thing we've been saying, I think I've been saying this for like three months, but if Hunter Henry is not tagged, I think he becomes a New England Patriot. I think they would throw big money at him. He fits everything they want. And one thing we've said a lot is this is a historic wide receiver class, so the free agents might not get paid outside of Amari Cooper. It is not a great tight end class. There's not going to be, maybe Cole Komet goes in round one, but not a lot of top-tier tight ends, especially coming out of the combine where a lot of the guys disappointed. So I think Hunter Henry, if he gets loose from the Chargers, is going to see pretty big money. I think so, too. I think it's, once again, the whole you know supply and demand thing, Matt, where plenty of teams are looking to have a tight end. It's maybe not the focal point of their offense, but maybe as the number two or number three weapon, and there's just not a ton of talent out there. I, that was one of my big thoughts coming out of the combine this week, and I don't know if you felt the same. I look at this tight end class, and I go, man, you're not betting on it. I'll tell you that. I like Cole Komet. I think he's a really nice seam and red zone target and can block. But that's one guy. I don't think Hunter Bryant is the athlete I was hoping he was. He's still a good pass catcher, 
But I don't think he's this, you know, elite option, this round one, or maybe not even top 50 kind of option. And for the guy that had the best week of any of them, Mr. Albert O running that 4-4-9-40, yeah, right. he had trouble staying on the field in college. So this, the point is, the free agent class at tight end, highlighted by Hunter Henry and Austin Hooper, uh, those guys should get the bag real soon. Absolutely. All right, let's take a break. We come back. Defense. And there is a lot of it to talk about. Oh, yeah. It is a defense-heavy free agent class. If none of those names in the first two segments did it for you, these names will, Connor. Let's just start with the edge rushers. Yannick Ngakwe said, hey, you can tag me. I'm not coming back. Jadavian Clowney, the Seahawks promised not to tag him when they traded for him. You got former first-rounders. I mean, Dante Fowler, Vic Beasley, Robert Quinn, Shaq Lawson. There's big names and actually some pretty good players, guys who we think could be instant impacts. Let's start with Yannick Ngakwe. If he does not go back to the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm looking at the team in the NFL who has the most salary cap space at a whopping $93.7 million in a gigantic need for a pass rusher. That is the Miami Dolphins, who, like we said earlier, they have five picks in the first two rounds of this draft, if they can land Yannick Ngakwe in free agency and not have to trade for a pass rusher, oh my God, this is amazing for them. I think the only problem is, Matt, they're probably going to have to trade for a franchise tag, Yannick Ngakwe. <laughs> yeah, I'm dreaming No, here. but I, I like that. The point of free agent shows is to give everyone the most hope possible, and I will challenge the listeners. I guarantee we mention your football team at least once in this show, and if you got to prove me wrong if you think we didn't. But back to this. <laughs> I'm looking at this, Matt. Yannick Ngakwe gets tagged. We see a trade maybe somewhat similar to Frank Clark because you're going to have to pay the guy almost $20 million a year. How about that 26th overall pick in the draft for Yannick Ngakwe from the Miami Dolphins? Is that something you do for each side? Without a doubt, I would. And I think the Dolphins, we're going to connect them to a lot of players with that potential because they they have those two second rounders. They pick again at 39. They have pick 56. So I, I think there will be a lot of conversation about what can we get for the 26th pick overall. Yannick Ngakwe is better than probably any prospect you're going to get. So. You, you know what you're getting. A 25-year-old pass rusher who... Not only is he great at getting to the quarterback, I think he's like fourth in the NFL in strip sacks since he's been drafted. So an exceptional player. If you don't get Yannick Ngakwe, another guy who could be tagged (laughs) is Matt Judon. So we can see a tag and trade the Ravens. Now, the asking price is not going to be close to the same. I think it's maybe a second-round pick, maybe a package of a third-plus. But Matt Judon, who really broke out this past year for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, again, a guy who I think he would fit the Dolphins. I think he would fit the Lions exceptionally well if they have money to spend. Opposite Trey Flowers, you're getting someone who has you know power to his game. He's a big pass rusher. And how about this one? The Buffalo Bills have $83 million. Very, very quietly. They have a lot of money. If you don't bring back Shaq Lawson, doesn't Matt Judon feel like an upgrade that you can just swap out the salaries for? I think so. I, I really do. I think with the Bills, they need something on the edge. I think they'd like to bring back Shaq, but... I would be a little bit more aggressive. I don't know if they're going to make the trade for someone like Yannick, but when you look at Judon, that's one that makes sense, Matt, because I do agree that's more of a day-two pick, not a first-round kind of pick. The Bills have a ton of money, but they do have some very interesting free agents. You have Shaq Lawson. You have Jordan Phillips. You have Quentin Spain. So they have plenty to, They have plenty of money to spend here, 
But I think that at the same time, they do have some of their own to take care of. I'm fascinated to see if they're really, really aggressive attacking upgrades at the edge spot. Yeah, and Jadavion Clowney, let's just roll sure. right into that. Uh, goes, goes to Seattle from the Houston Texans. The Seahawks need him. They want him back. I think there's a good chance that Clowney is just signed to an extension. It's a little concerning it hasn't happened yet, but I, I think this will get figured out. If he is allowed to leave, I think there are a lot of, t- I mean, every team is going to want this guy. The Giants, the Colts, the Dolphins. There's going to be a long list of teams that would want Jadavian Clowney. But you do have to worry about a player who hasn't been very healthy over the course of his career. I think there's a better than average chance he just goes back to the Seahawks. If he, if he wants to win, that makes the most sense. I'm with you. It's where he's had the most success. He looked really, really consistent there. I like the fit. And once again, like you said, Matt, that's a team that wins Someone else that I find fascinating, coming off of a career year, Dante Fowler had 11 and a half sacks last year. I know it was not the best yep. year for the Rams. I know Fowler, like any other human would, has benefited playing on the same front with Aaron Donald. But I think the point is, at 25 years old and ascending now with Fowler, I think he's actually going to get a decent contract here. I think he's somebody that, you know, once again, maybe the Colts, the Jets, the Giants, teams that have a serious free agent need at pass rusher, if they miss the boat on the tagged guys, Ngakwe, Judon, Everson Griffin goes back to Minnesota, Clowney goes back to Seattle, I'm really curious how the Fowler market starts to take shape. Yeah, and I, I don't want to make this all about uh, our favorite teams, but your team, the New York Jets, makes a lot of sense well, for they're going to spend money. If, right, they have a lot of money. They're going to spend it at 11 overall. You're not going to be able to draft a premier pass rusher. I would say the same thing about the Indianapolis Colts. At uh, where that 12 overall, you're not going to be, excuse me, 13 overall, you're, you're not getting a premier pass rusher in this draft, most likely. So the Jets, the Colts, the Bucks, most likely going to tag Shaq Barrett, who's being listed as a linebacker. The Falcons, who Vic Beasley's a free agent. Vic Beasley has had like two good years, two bad years. So I think the Falcons are a team that could be looking to bring in someone as a pass rusher. So a lot of names that, that we're going to throw to place. I, Everson Griffin, I think, stays with the Vikings. They've kind of said they want him back. I think he wants to come back. So then you get to the, like, I would almost call it like tier, like Robert Quinn is probably still tier two, but Jordan Jenkins, I mean, is he a strong side linebacker? Is he a D end? The Jets used him in a couple different ways. I think there will be a small market for Agreed. him. Maybe a team like the Saints for Jordan Jenkins would make some sense. Just I'm just thinking in terms of usage. Well, I mean, you guys know I say the salary cap is fake, but I mean, it's like the speed limit. It's a guideline. The Saints don't have a ton of money to spend. We'll see what happens with Drew Brees' contract if it allows some flexibility. But when you look at the pass rushers, I mean, there's some really good ones. And I'll throw this out there. The Patriots are going to lose a lot of free agents. We've seen them in the past. There was one year they signed 18 free agents. Yeah, just a lower They're going to sign guys. a lot of guys to like low level. Like Vic Beasley going to New England on like a one year prove it deal would be so smart for him to get into a system where they're actually pretty good at rehabilitating guys. It, completely. They love doing that because they know they can get the most out of those players. And, and I think when you go back to Jordan Jenkins, we'll see how the Shaq Barrett situation shakes out. But wouldn't be surprised. You know, Bucks have a lot of cap space. Maybe Todd Bowles. A guy that drafted him brings him in there. So the edge market is, unlike the draft, is actually pretty dense in free agency. It's exciting. And I think another group, just to segment right into it, is the defensive tackle group, Matt, highlighted by a player you know very well in Chris Jones. 
Yeah, Chris Jones, uh, the Chiefs already said they're going to give him the tag as soon as that window opens. We've discussed a lot that Chris Jones makes sense. The, the Kansas City Chiefs want to keep this man. They've made contract offers in the past to keep him. It's just a matter of now, where do you best allocate your resources? Because you have Patrick Mahomes. You can win multiple Super Bowls with this player, but you do have to surround him with some talent. I know folks in Kansas City... Even on the coaching staff, who will say the best Frank Clark has Chris Jones beside him. Their their production works very well in tandem. So I think with Chris Jones, they would like to keep him. And, and I could see a situation. I know we talked about this from the combine where he plays out 2020 under the tag, and then they let him walk, or they trade him to a team like the Miami Dolphins, like the Seattle Seahawks, teams that have picks and they have the cap to burn. Now another guy, Connor, who was traded from your team, Leonard Williams is a free agent. The Giants trade for him, and their compensation to the Jets hinges on whether or not he signed long-term. Dave Gettleman, the GM, has come out and said, listen, if I don't keep this guy, I'm basically going to be burned at the stake. Yeah. But Leonard Williams does make sense. for If you're running a 3-4 defense, hello, Denver Broncos, Leonard Williams makes a lot of sense for you. That's just who he is. It's just a matter of the, you know, the Giants, are they able to keep a guy they traded for? I was going to say, a team we have not talked about that has a lot of cap space is the Denver Broncos, and I think they can get involved in this defensive line group. I think, listen, are the Chiefs going to move Chris Jones to Denver? Absolutely not. But then you get into the next tier, whether it's Leonard Williams, Javon Hargrave, DJ Reader, uh, Jordan Phillips. There's a lot of different names here that the Broncos can attack to help up front. And I'm curious to see how it plays out because Dave Gettleman has shown his hand a little bit and said, you know, we want to keep this guy. The Jets get a third rounder this year no matter what, but if the Giants do extend him before free agency, that 2021 fifth rounder becomes a fourth rounder. So the cost to keep Leonard Williams does go up even when not factoring the money. Yeah, it absolutely does. And let's move to another team that we know very well. The San Francisco 49ers have very little cap space. Eric Armstead just had the best year of his life playing in this new defensive scheme, the way they've used him up front, and he could get paid. I know there's interest in San Francisco. They want to keep him. They don't want to let him go. But Eric Armstead, I mean, I think he has a very good chance to get paid. You just mentioned Denver. They ran a 3-4 defense. Vic Fangio would know how to use Eric Armstead. The Houston Texans, I mean, they have J.J. Watt. They have Charles Minihu. I think they want to invest on the defensive line. The Seattle Seahawks would like to invest in the defensive line. We've seen before in the NFC West, especially teams like to steal from each other. Those are all clubs that have top 10 cap space that I think you have to be interested in. And Eric Armstead, who just, again, had a fantastic season. I would throw the Colts in there as another team that would understand how to use him as a versatile piece, whether he's playing defensive end, whether he's playing nose tackle, whether he plays three tech, he plays all over the D line. So I think Eric Armstead, Compared to another guy like a Michael Brockers, I think Armstead's going to have a much, much bigger market than a Brockers or a Derek Wolf, other guys who've played in a 3-4 scheme. I think so, too, and I'm fascinated by the bottom of this market because it goes to show you how deep it is with veteran talent, Matt, when you have Gerald McCoy, you have Ndamukong Sue, you talked about Brockers, there's Damon Harrison, Derek Wolf, who you talked about as well. We'll see what Jordan Phillips gets. 
I think this is a situation where a team like the Dallas Cowboys that might be looking at not necessarily the bargain bin, but they're going to have to be cost effective after they get the DAC extension done, after they get Amari Cooper back. I think Byron Jones will price himself out. We're going to talk about him in a little bit. I think this is a really good opportunity for the Dallas Cowboys to swoop in and improve that defensive line with the tier three free agents that you know can give you above average starting play for an entire season. Absolutely. Like, like we were saying with the Patriots, like be smart, like go sign your guys, sign your free agents to low level deals that you know what they can be. Gerald McCoy is not going to play 75 snaps a game, but he can play 25 and have a pretty big impact. So I think we'll see that happen. Let's move to the linebacker market. It is led by Joe Schobert. The Browns are not keeping him, which surprises me. It feels like the Oakland Raiders, excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders. And Green Bay Packers should be all over Joe Schobert as a linebacker who is ex- he's perfect for what they do defensively. Uh, it feels like that. I mean, he's going to have no shortage of a market once he gets out there. I don't think so at all. I think, yeah, I'm with you. I think there won't be any shortage there. When Schobert, it's kind of crazy, but Matt, he's probably priced himself in a $10 million per year linebacker, right? If not more. Yeah, I really think so. I mean, same with Corey Littleton, who I think two years ago, a lot of fans had no idea who Corey yep. Littleton is. And he's probably going to get 12 or $13 million a year. Again, by the Packers or you know, by, uh, by the Raiders. You know, one of those teams that we talk about all the time, like, oh, they need a middle linebacker. And those guys are, are perfect fits. So uh, I, I think that, yeah, there's going to be a huge market for players like that. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about the Broncos. I wouldn't be shocked if they get in this market when it comes to linebackers. I wouldn't be shocked if the Patriots do. They're going to lose Kyle Van Noy most likely. So the Saints could use a linebacker. I think by pick 24 in the draft, you're kind of worried a guy like that would be around. The Ravens could use a linebacker. They traditionally don't sign players. They draft them. But, man, there could be a lot of movement between Schobert and Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski who could really, really affect not only – the, the market, but the draft, too. Yeah, and we're going to see a bit of a Swiss Army Knife type player, Kyle Van Noy. How is he valued? I, I mean, you talk about a, a rough start, I think, in Detroit. I think he really rebounded his career and became a very good player for New England. And the question is, is New England interested in bringing him back? What kind of discount will he take if he does? Or will he just test the market and go to the highest bidder? So you're getting a consistent theme here. If you've listened to this show, this defensive group is not only has star talent at the top of every position, but it's got starting talent across the board, sometimes 8 to 10 deep. Yeah, it absolutely does. And Shaq Barrett, Probably going to get tagged as an outside linebacker. Bug Dupree, probably going to get tagged as an outside linebacker. So those are two other names where, I mean, Shaq Barrett just had a historic season at outside linebacker. I think he's going to want to stay with Todd Bowles. How about the DBs? And we've, a couple teams we haven't talked about. This is why, because we were waiting to get to the oh, DB yeah. portion of this. Minnesota Vikings fans, uh, perk up your ears here because we've been waiting for you. Here's the huge one Byron Jones is going to leave the Dallas Cowboys. They just can't afford to pay everyone. I've heard it. All week at the Combine, he's going to go to the East Coast. Whether it's your Jets, the New York Giants, the Philadelphia Eagles, Byron Jones is most likely going Northeast. James Bradbury with the Carolina Panthers probably goes wherever Byron Jones doesn't. (laughs) So I think Byron Jones is like the the cornerback domino. James Bradbury, if he leaves Carolina, is going to have a big, big market as well. Man, if you're the New York Giants, this is the guy you go get. You're rebuilding that defense You need a veteran presence on the back end in that secondary. And this is a double whammy if you're the New York Giants. You are making the Cowboys worse. You are getting better. 
Byron Jones is a top five corner when he is healthy. He is a great athlete. He is a smart player. He can handle a lot of different roles. The Giants showed signs of life of getting it right on offense last year, and I think they're going to improve that group around Daniel Jones through the draft. But when you look at this defense, they do have a lot of holes. They have a lot of young players they're trying to develop. That secondary, though, it needs a staple. It needs a foundational piece that can be the guy for the next three years. And Byron Jones, he's worth that $18 million price tag for them for the New York Giants. They should come out day one, and Dave Gettleman should get this signing done. Uh, well, I absolutely agree. And then the Jets should probably sign James Bradbury, and you guys can just have a joint press conference at MetLife and, and just call it a day. Chris Harris Jr., all-pro slot corner, uh, he has met, I saw a report, he's met with 20 teams, or his agents have met with 20 teams, so Chris Harris Jr. is going to have a big, big market. I know you have thought about the Dallas Cowboys make a ton of sense for him. The Chiefs do as well, but salary cap concerns are going to be a huge problem there, and I think the Atlanta Falcons are a team that, they make sense for a lot of these guys. Chris Harris Jr., Jimmy Ward, Logan Ryan. They've drafted a lot of corners, but they still need a corner, especially with Desmond Trufant getting older. The Falcons just don't have money. They're projected right now to have the third least amount of money in the NFL with only the Vikings and Steelers ahead of them. So they would have to be creative to make this happen. Devonta Freeman would have to be cut. But I think those players, Chris Harris Jr., Jimmy Ward, Logan Ryan, would be the players that you would want there. And this leaves to me a really interesting safety class. And then we have a lot of guys who are like first-round picks that haven't lived up yep. to it. But at the safety position, Anthony Harris, Vikings got to find a way to keep With this that, guy. Yeah. He's one of the best safeties in the league no one talks about. Tony Jefferson was cut. Uh, he's unfortunately injured right now. He's going to be healthy in, in probably May. So I think he will have a slow market. And then Demarius Randall is a free agent who, if you just let him play free safety, he's a pretty damn good one. The Niners, if Jimmy Ward leaves, I think Demarius Randall makes a lot of sense. It's kind of a lower budget type safety. He could be in Dallas. He was with Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. So I think these guys are all going to have a good market. But Anthony Harris is the bell of the ball when it comes to the safety. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point about the Vikings. I know Vikings fans, you're listening to the show, and you said, why didn't you mention us with Joe Thune? Why didn't you get us involved in that offensive line class? They got to clear up some cap space. There are some contracts here and there, but you need to remember, even if you clear eight to ten million there, you need to allocate that cap money to your draft class now. So, and you got to take care of your own guy in Anthony Harris. So I think the Vikings, they have a need at corner, at outside corner. The Xavier Rhodes days, those best days are behind. They probably have to get creative in the draft to fill that spot, Matt. So for the Vikings, clear up some cap. Bring back your own, but you're, it's a great roster. And when you have a great roster, unfortunately, you don't have a lot of salary cap space because great rosters need to make money. And this is a team that will continue, will have to continue to hit it out of the park in the draft. Yeah, and, and two other teams I want to talk about here. I can't remember if we hit them, but they make a lot of sense for a safety position. The Chicago Bears, the L.A. Rams, I think both could use a free safety. Neither have much money, and so I think they're going to have to be really smart about where the money goes, especially if the Bears have a, a decently priced backup quarterback on the roster. That's going to chew up a ton of space that you would spend on uh, Demarius Randall or an Anthony Harris or you know even when we get into the market a little bit below that. I mean, it's just... Sean Davis. I mean, can you can you even get a Sean Davis? So it's going to be tough for those teams that definitely have a need at safety. And I think the the Bears have a need at corner with Prince of Mukamara going uh, elsewhere. 
So, I mean, but you're looking at like a Bashad Breland who had a hell of a, a postseason for the Chiefs. Or, or, and this is where the show ends today, you get to the former first-rounders who are now free agents because they haven't lived up to the hype. Bradley Roby, Ronald Darby, Eli Apple, Vernon Hargraves, Artie Burns. All free agents. That sounds like a club you'd see in a Gridiron Heights episode. But I think when you look right. at the Bears, the question they're going to have is, they just dumped a ton of money, rightfully so, into Eddie Jackson. Are they going to spend at the other safety spot, Matt? Or are they going to look to draft at the safety spot on you know, probably day three, to be completely honest with you? But corner market, like you said... This is probably where the Bears come in. Maybe you take a swing at one of those former first-rounders and try to get the best of him to uh, supplement your corner group there in Chicago. But, man, that was a lot to go through, and I feel pretty good about it. I think we hit it pretty hard. And we're going to do this again next week or in like 13 days, two weeks. When we recap it all, here's why we were We're wrong about everything. And I think right before free agency, we're going to look more team by team. Uh, I think that would be all three of us on the on yep. our show looking at, okay, this is what these teams need. And and honestly, we'll probably, uh, we're talking out loud or like thinking out loud here, just each take like eight teams or how many ever, have 12 teams and really dig in on those teams because uh, there's a lot that happens to free agency. And again, this sets the table for the draft because if teams make a splash at, you know, Byron Jones goes to the Giants, well, we can we don't have to worry about Jeff Akuda there. You know, if Byron Jones goes to the Jets, we're not thinking C.J. Henderson yeah. there. If Jack Conklin goes to the Jets, we might not be thinking offensive tackle as early as we had in the Although past. Although we so, still might. Uh, <laughs> I would. I would say, I said I it, and I was like, but I would. I agree. I, I would, yeah. Uh, if you can give me Tristan Wirfs and Jack Conklin. Not bad. Beautiful. Not bad for Sammy D. Beautiful. Absolutely. We will be back Friday morning. Me, Connor, and Mello. Check us out on Bleach Report's YouTube page. Uh, there's actually a playlist called Stick to Football. You can subscribe to it. Find all the shows there. And, of course, the podcast version, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your shows. Check that out. Thank you guys again. We'll talk to you real soon. 